for Fantasy Football Weekly on KFAN, presented by Devonis, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Fantasy Football Weekly is also brought to you by Green Belt Premium, No Name Butcher Quality Meats, Honda, Town Hall Family, Luther Hyundai, and by the Park Tavern. Now, now, along with Fanball and League Safe's Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson. Here's Paul Charchian. I think one of the, Matt Harrison needs to start showing up for some shows if he's going to be in the open of every one of these. Who? <laughs> exactly. There used to be a time we could count on Matt no more. Uh, my co-host today, Brian Johnson, as always, you are steady as a rock. Only in this arena. Only in this arena. Uh, that's what your wife says. Uh, we have a new co-host making his debut. It is Scott Fish. He is one of our writers at Fanball. Welcome, Scott. Scott, many of you know because he's uh, built a certain amount of local celebrity for himself around the Scott Fish Bowl. Over seven years, it is a 720-team professional-slash-amateur fantasy mega-league. Local celebrity? You couldn't give me national celebrity? Well, international? Uh, okay, sure. International international <laughs> man of fame. Uh, uh, and uh, right, he's now a fanball writer and a contributor. And uh, we're happy to have him on the show, and uh, your chance to uh, see what it's all like. Ah, oh, thanks for having me. I know uh, it's uh, it all it all sounds like it's a piece of cake when you're just listening at home. When you got to actually execute for it, it's a whole different deal. I think you're going to do great. Uh, uh, we you just heard all the sponsors that this show uh, that helped bring the show to you, uh, as I like to do at the beginning of every show. Special thanks to our decade long sponsor, Grain Bell Premium, the official beer of fantasy football. Do not forget to play the Free Crush Charts Challenge at GrainBelt.com. And as always, I'd like to thank our friends at the brewery, Sean Ryan and Ted and Jody Marty, and at Manny Steakhouse, where we have the winner's banquet, Ooh. Dave Wilson. Mm. You know you're now ineligible to win that. Oh, you're out. That's I it. I love Manny's, too. I know. Manny's is the best. Uh, uh, congratulations to our Week 5 winner, Joseph Kruger. Joseph Kruger will join me at the winner's banquet in January. Let's dive right into the matchup, Scott. First one up. Miami takes on Atlanta. This is a uh, this is the lowest scoring offense in the NFL for Miami. Do you think they turn it around here against the Falcons? Oh man, going to me right off the bat. Too, yes, huh? you bet. <laughs> Trial by fire, baby. Exactly. Yeah, because they're so low scoring. I don't have any A grades for this one. I did give my boy JHI a B grade. Uh, his yards per carry scare me, but the Falcons are bottom ten against the run. And every running back that's had at least 13 touches against them has amassed either 85 yards and a touchdown. And Ajayi's averaging 21 a game. I, I think that I think that's going to propel him right into that range. He could mm-hmm. probably do both. It's now or never, right? Yeah, it yeah, kind of is. It really is. Yeah. You and I are going to go down on this Ajayi ship together. I know. Holding I know. hands, Delma and Louise. <laughs> I was right about him last year. This year, it's yeah, it's getting scary. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I give a B grade. Uh, Devontae Parker is now doubtful, probably not going to play, yep. making Landry the main target for Cutler, even though Cutler's not throwing much, 176 yards per game. Uh, Jarvis Landry, he's 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 averaging seven catches and 11 targets per game. That's a nice, safe floor. The Falcons have only allowed one wide receiver over 60 yards this year, so I'm benching all the rest of the passing game, but I, I am giving B grades to Jarvis Landry and J.H.I. Uh, for Atlanta... Julio Jones is an obvious start for me. I, I don't really need to go into him. Nope. Devontae Freeman, I'm also giving an A grade. Uh, 
He's got the highest touchdown conversion rate inside the 10, scoring on five of his nine attempts. He's scored in every game, averaging 22 touches per game over the last three weeks. And even though Miami's got a top 10 run defense, so did Buffalo last week, and Freeman Mm -hmm. did great. So uh, giving him an A grade. I have uh, his counterpart there, uh, Tevin Coleman. I'm giving him a B grade. He's averaged 117 total yards over the last two games. Uh, scored once. Dolphins have done a good job limiting opponents on the ground, but Melvin Gordon caught seven balls. Kamara caught ten balls, and Coleman's averaging five targets per game. I think he can get his uh, his points through the air. Uh, going through the air, Matt Ryan. Uh, three of the four quarterbacks that placed played Matt played Miami had over 250 yards and a score. I think Matt Ryan's the best QB they're going to play, mm-hmm. or they have played of that bunch. So I'm giving him a B grade. And Austin Hooper, Miami's been sneakily not very good against tight ends, allowing seven receptions and 57 yards to tight ends. Uh, Hooper disappeared for two games. He's been top two, top, top 12 for two games. And with Sanu out, I think he might see a slight increase in targets. I, I'm giving Austin Hooper a C grade, and I'm benching the rest. I mean, there, there's some dart throw to Taylor Gabriel. But there it, is a little bit there yeah, with Sanu out. It, when Sanu went out and Julio went out last week, he's, or in week four, he didn't have any catches. Yeah. So he does scare me. I, I couldn't quite give him a C grade. All right, no problem. Nicely done. First matchup in the books. Oh, boy. Well done. Giants take on Denver. Brian, Giants will be without their number one, number two, number three, and number four wide receivers this week. So can I start anybody? Yeah, let's just get right to the benching, shall yeah, we? Yeah, um, yes. Eli is Summary on the bench. benching, yes. Uh, so are his wide receiver, quote-unquote, weapons, yeah. uh, including <laughs> Tavares King, Roger Lewis, Ed Egan, Travis Rudolph, Doc Doby, Sneezy. Right. Whatever. Correct. Why do I get this game as the Giants? <laughs> yeah, well, because you're Giants guy. Yeah. That's why you get this game. Let's, let's Enjoy let's, the misery. Let's push forward here. Uh, Evan Ingram. Hey, I am you're, be... you're churning your way to Eli Manning's replacement. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm hoping for the 0-16. You should. I want the This is a pick. suck for luck moment oh, yeah. for your squad, just like it was for Peyton Manning. Yep. Same thing with Eli Manning in the bitter twilight of his career. Here's your opportunity to draft, get to right to the top of a draft, top three pick, take a, a take a fantastic quarterback and never look back. I'm with you. No shame in uh, going for the tank job. Uh, anyway, I will start Evan Ingram this week. I'll give him a C despite the goose egg last week. In Denver's last three games, um, Oakland tight ends combined for five catches, 61 yards. Buffalo tight ends combined for seven, 70 and one. And Jason Witten had 10 catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram's probably the best wide receiver on this team right now. So he should see a healthy amount of targets in this game. And any, any other Giants running back, any Giants running back is on the bench. Denver is allowing 2.4 yards per carry. And the only running back to score against them this year was Melvin Gordon in week one. And he caught that touchdown. So yeah. nothing's getting done on the ground for the Giants in this no game. No way. Going over to Denver. I'll give Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders a B. Probably only one has the potential to get there. The other one will probably end up at a C, C-level production. Um, the Giants are allowing only 120 yards per game to wide receivers. That's total. The yeah. whole wide receiver That's unit. nothing. That's nothing. And not one opposing wideout has topped 70 yards. Uh, still, the Giants' pets' heads are falling off, though, so <laughs> I think you can start Sanders and Thomas in this mm-hmm. one. Uh, no Dominique rogers Camardi, but that doesn't affect either because um, he runs out of the uh, he covers the slot. Uh, A.J. Derby, I'm going to give a C, uh, tight end. Virgil Green wasn't targeted last week, while Derby, wait for it, went to the races. Oh, nicely four done. Four catches, 75 yards, and a, a touchdown. A tip of the hat on that Derby oh, reference. Yeah. Oh, double up on it. I like it. New York is just getting abused by tight ends. They've surrendered all the best stats to the position, allowing the most in every category. So Derby is startable. I'm still benching Trevor Simeon, though. Um, 
250 and 2 is probably his absolute ceiling in this game. I don't think he gets there. I think there are better options coming up and take a chance on me. And CJ Anderson, I'll give him a B. At least 20 carries in three or four games, has at least three catches in two of those four games. He'll still get the bulk of the touches in this game. Um, keeping Jamal Charles on the bench, uh, he won't see more than 10 carries and has been invisible in the passing game. Just one target. Which is odd because yeah, you know, in his heyday, he was awesome. I think you're underselling CJ Anderson. He, he's a bell cow, as you mentioned. He's getting 20 carries. He's been great at home in particular. And New York has yet to hold a starting running back under 71 rushing yards. So I think I've got, I've got CJ Anderson as my number five running back overall for this week. I love him. All right. I'm just disappointed Brian didn't throw in a champion at the bit for this matchup on AJ Dirt. Ooh, that would have been good too. All I'm, all I'm upset about there. Uh, Green Bay takes on Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers is safely in A. Uh, no Andrew Sandejo, which we've saw as Viking fans will remember when when Sandejo's out. Even though he's not a great coverage guy, man, the whole secondary has a very different feel to it. And when, when Rodgers faced the Vikings last December, check out the fantasy line in the most recent matchup. 347 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and he ran in another one. Whew. But historically, the Vikings have contained Rodgers, at least by his standards. In the prior two matchups, he only threw one touchdown in each game, hadn't topped 300 yards in his prior six matchups against the Vikings prior to last December. Uh, still, a, a great for Aaron Rodgers because he's Aaron Rodgers, and again, secondary could be and likely is without Andrew Sandejo. Uh, Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams, to me, this has been super murky, and I've been battling with this all week. It's unclear who who's going to get Xavier Rhodes. Traditionally, it's been Jordy Nelson for a lot of games, but not always. It was Terrence Newman in the most recent one, and Newman got, got roasted in that game. So I, I think they may put Xavier Rhodes on Jordy Nelson, but the best receiver on the team is Devontae Adams. And so if you're going to put Xavier on the best receiver, to me, that's still that's Adams. He's yep. the t- guy who leads the team in targets, receptions, and yards. Uh, who's the guy who's banging the drum so hard for Devontae <laughs> Adams this preseason? I can't remember if it was um, me. Um, um, uh, I think it was Harrison. It was Matt Harrison. Definitely Maybe it wasn't... was Matt Harrison. <laughs> Matt Harrison. Who, who is this guy you keep talking about? Hang on. Matt wait. Harrison. It's going to come to me. It's going to come to me at some point. It's... it's... No, wait. No. Wrong. Wrong. There we go. There we go. Whew. Man, that took a while. Ah, uh, Devontae Adams. Okay, uh, carry on. Sorry. Whoever gets Trey Waynes obviously has got a, a, a really pretty good opportunity. But I, I don't think it's obvious how the Vikings are going to defend Nelson and Adams. So I've got B grades on both to just sort of mitigate the Rhodes factor. And maybe it's not going to be a Rhodes shadow opportunity. They prefer to play Rhodes on his, the defense's right side of the field. Maybe he'll just stick to his side of the field. We'll see. Aaron Jones, uh, well, sticking with the passing, last thing I'll mention, Martellus Bennett's on the bench. I went to bat for this guy in the preseason. I thought he was going to have a good season. I thought they were going to target him a lot, which they are. He doesn't catch it. So it doesn't matter. He hasn't caught a touchdown pass. And um, Vikings opponents have completed at least five passes a game to a tight end. So there's a little upside here, but I've, I've had it with that loser. Let's go over to the running game. Aaron Jones is a really nice start, I think. B grade here. I thought he looked fantastic last week. We'll talk more about Aaron Jones a little later. Uh, but this matchup is a little tricky. Vikings defense has allowed just 3.3 yards per carry, just one rushing touchdown all year. It's not a given that Aaron's going to have a big game here. I think he will not have as good a game as he had last week. Uh, B grade on Aaron Jones. Ty Montgomery, if he plays, you can put into a C grade for PPR leagues. I think he could catch five, six receptions in this game. Let's go to the Vikings side. Offense is going to be missing Stefan Diggs and Nick Easton. Those are not insubstantial losses. And, of course, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum is at the helm. I have a nervous C grade on Keenum, mostly just because it's a bye week. 
His upside is the three touchdowns he threw in week three, but more realistically, you're going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of like half the yardage and half the touchdowns he put up in that big game against the Bucks. Packers secondary is improved, uh, hardly impenetrable, but improved. Dak Prescott just threw three touchdowns. And if Aaron Rodgers does get out to a big lead, Case is going to have to throw a lot. So I've got a C grade on him. I've got a B grade on Thielen. He's going to draw slot corner Quentin Rollins, and that is a juicy matchup. Just in the last two games, far lesser talents, Cole Beasley and Kendall Wright, have scored three times. And Thielen destroyed the Packers for 200 yards and two touchdowns last time they played. Granted, that was not from the slot. Um, Still, great matchup overall for Thielen, and I think there's plenty of production here. He'll get some extra looks with Diggs out. Kyle Rudolph gets a C grade. It took the loss of four Chicago linebackers to do it, but Rudolph finally paid off in a Case Keenum game last week. Hopefully that's going to, it will not require similar circumstances this week. The Packers have done a good job against tight ends all season, allowing four receptions and just 34 yards per game. They have not given up a touchdown, thus the C grade for Kyle Rudolph. And then let's go to um, Michael Floyd. I know there's there is some steam to play Michael Floyd here because he'll start in place of Stephon Diggs, but... Michael Floyd's last game with more than 36 yards was almost a year ago. And his total number of receptions as a Viking is now sitting at one from last week's game. That's it. I just don't I don't know that he goes from that level of production to somebody that you want to start in one week. Not impossible. Uh, he's Paul Allen's um, one-hit wonder, so you never know. Uh, Jarek McKinnon gets a C grade here. In past seasons, we Vikings have asked Jarek McKinnon to step up in many opportunities here, and it's never really come to light. He did have that 56-yard touchdown run last week, but his other runs averaged 2.4 yards per carry. Packers have the 22nd-ranked run defense and have problems with timeshare speed backs. Chris Carson had a good game. Devonta Freeman had a good game. Tariq Cohen did uh, well against them. So there are some opportunities here. Hopefully he can catch a few passes as well. C-grade, Jarek McKinnon. That was a beefy long matchup. So Case Keenum like has terrorized Tampa Bay during his career, supposedly. Maybe yes. it's three maybe wins it's, against maybe, Tampa. Maybe it's a Bay thing, so maybe he'll do it. Yeah, to uh, yeah every yeah, yeah every team with a Bay is yeah. in uh, is in trouble so, against Case Keenum. That watch, would be watch out, that'd be handy here. Uh, if you had to live on one Bay, would you choose the one that's on a beautiful warm ocean or the one that's on the western side of Lake Michigan? Mm, can go with the ocean. I've, I been, think I've been I've yeah. been to the the Green Bay a couple times. Don't really need to go back. Uh, when we come back, nine players not normally in your starting lineup. Take a chance on me. We'll tell you who they are when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. Welcome to the show. It's Fantasy Football Weekly. Take a chance on me. In this, what I've got to believe is the original Swedish version. I'm just guessing. Not knowing any Swedish. I went to St. Olaf for a year, but didn't learn any Swedish. Uh, I saw plenty of Swedes. That is a good-looking campus, let me tell you. Yeah, I went to Gustavus. Same deal. I'll, I'll challenge you on that one. Uh, take a chance on me. Nine players not normally in your starting lineup. We begin at the quarterback position... Scott, 
might take a chance on me. Quarterback is Jacoby Brissett. Monday night against the Titans. They're allowing the Titans are allowing 2.6 touchdowns per game to quarterbacks, which is the worst in the NFL. They've allowed multiple touchdowns in four of their five games. And in the two games Tennessee played against a rushing quarterback, Russell Wilson had 400 yards and four touchdowns, and Deshaun Watson had over 300 yards and five touchdowns. Not on the ground. (laughs) No, no, but a little bit of ground yardage. Uh, Over the last three weeks, Brissett has rushed for 61 yards and three scores to go along with his 243 yards passing. Love him in this week. And if you have Mariota, he's a good backup plan because they both play in the same game. All right. Brian, your quarterback. I am doubling down on Josh McCown. McCown, the guy last week. My guy last week had two touchdowns. Well, no, look, you get two touchdowns out of Josh McCown, you get the peacock. I'll take it. Accept (laughs) accept it. The bell cow is the bell cow. I'm just trying to get that. The bell cow wandering free. Yes, the bell cow is doing the walk of shame around here somewhere. Uh, McCown is a marksman with the football, (laughs) having completed over 75 percent of his passes over the last three weeks. He now draws the Patriots who are allowing 335 passing yards per game. Every opposing quarterback has topped 300 yards. New England has surrendered the most passing touchdowns to the position, and the Patriots will certainly score points. The Jets will have to keep pace, so McCown will be a fantasy helper this week. You're doubling down on your guy. I'm doubling down on my guy from last week. We're quadrupling down. Whoa. It's Brian Hoyer against Washington. you got to pick your spots with Hoyer, namely against bad defenses. When facing the Rams and the Colts, Brian Hoyer's average game, 342 yards and two touchdowns. This week, he faces the Josh Norman-less Redskins secondary. And even with Norman, they'd allowed passing touchdowns in every game. Washington is a terrific run defense. And with Carlos Hyde hurting, Mike Shanahan, it's going to be passing throughout this game. Don't forget the Shanahan revenge angle. Oh, Shanahan revenge angle, yes. absolutely. And that's not the only revenge angle from that game, as we, will discuss oh. late, as we will discuss later. Let's go to the running back position. Scott. Yeah, I have Chris Ivory for Jacksonville. I know Fournette is going to run all over mm-hmm. that Rams team. The Rams are bottom five defense, allowing 166 rushing yards per game to running backs. But over the last two weeks, Chris Ivory has got nine touches, 42 yards. And, you know, maybe when Fournette gets tired of running, yeah. they'll let Ivory in for just that enough could snaps. Happen. Yeah. I mean, Ivory had a goal line rush last day. He didn't he did. score, but yeah. it might happen this week. It's it's one heck of a you know dart throw. All right, Brian. I'm going Oakland's Jalen Richard at home against the Chargers. Um, I don't think the Raiders want Derek Carr and his broken back standing in the pocket too long in this game Probably against true. the team, uh, the Chargers, who had the highest sack percentage in the NFL. Right. Uh, Raiders are going to lean on their running backs in this game, and that certainly includes in the passing game as well. DeAndre Washington is iffy with a hamstring injury. Jamaze Olawale has already been ruled out. Nice so that just leaves. Marshawn Lynch and Jalen Richard. Richard will get a handful of carries, but certainly will handle all the uh, the passing work. Uh, the Chargers just allowed 10 catches to Giants running backs last week, so I think Richard is a PPR helper as well this week. Your leader in the NFL in yards per carry is Alex Collins. 7.1 yards per carry. Terrence West is out for a month. Buck Allen, excuse me, sorry. Bunk Allen uh, is going to be more of a pass catcher, and that's what he does. Goes up against the Bears. This is a Bears defense that's a lot of rushing touchdown in every game this season, and the rushing touchdowns should go to Alex Collins. Let's go to the wide receiver position. Well, I don't have a wide receiver. Uh, receiver tight end. Tight end. Receiver. All right. Good. Uh, I'm going with Ryan Griffin for Houston. I like it. With so many tight ends injured or on by, I mean, 
it, a lot of people are looking for something. The Browns have been crushed by tight ends. Jesse James, Ben Watson, Austin Safari and Jenkins, Tyler Croft all had at least six catches of the Brown, against the Browns. Three of them scored. Ben Watson didn't, but he had 91 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've allowed five touchdowns to the position. And Griffin leads tight ends and targets over the last three weeks for the Texans with five per game. Kind of like that call. All right. Nice. Brian. I, too, am going tight end, which makes this great data for someone playing on Fanball, where you can play up to three tight ends. Yeah, that's a good point. You could play three tight ends. Great differentiator from the competition, in my opinion. But anyways, I'm going Kobe Fleener at home against the Lions. Fleener has fizzled since scoring in his first two games of the season, but I like him in this matchup. Even with Willie Sneed back. Even with Willie Sneed back, and we don't know what capacity, but Detroit is ranked 28th against tight ends by football outsiders that are allowing more than 70 yards per game to the position. And in his time in New Orleans, Fleener is averaging twice as many yards at home than he is on the road, so he's much better at home where he's playing this week, so I got Fleener. Uh, My receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster. If you don't know, he is your slot receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's been good enough to start since week two, displacing longtime slot receiver Eli Rogers. His yardage has improved in every one of his games. He has been targeted at least four times in every game, and he's already scored in two of his four NFL starts. He's at 50% scoring rate, Juju Smith-Schuster. He'll go up against arguably the worst cornerback in the NFL, Philip Gaines, who Pro Football Focus ranks as the 108th cornerback out of the 109 quarterbacks that they rate. Also on Juju Smith-Schuster, he's sixth in the NFL. He missed week one. He's sixth in the NFL in red zone targets with seven. How about that? Juju Smith-Schuster. I like Thank you for adding a little sizzle. I'll only add that. this. I can't wait till Juju gets a B grade on the show someday. Gets a Juju B grade. Nicely oh, done. Ooh, nice. You should have saved that. And really. I'm out. See you guys later. Yeah, you're done. Uh, Cleveland it takes on Houston. The... Um, the Cleveland running game has been an utter disaster. How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about Crowell? And, but Duke Johnson, there's Duke Johnson though. Mm-hmm. Duke Johnson's been a pleasant surprise. Touchdowns in three straight games. Right. Well, for for Cleveland, first off, I'd, I'm not giving any A grades, just none because you know sure. it's, Browns, it's the Browns. It's the Browns. Uh, I'm giving Duke Johnson a B grade, and this is more about Duke Johnson than it is the matchup. The the Texans are only allowing 22 yards per game in the receiving game. That's where Duke Johnson thrives. Mm-hmm. But Terrence West scored twice last week, and it's really hard to ignore Duke Johnson averaging six catches, 85 yards, and a score over the last three games. I think he can overcome that matchup. Okay. Uh, I have a C grade on Isaiah Crowell, and honestly, I thought about just putting him as well, a bench. Yeah, well, frankly, should have been a bench in every one of his previous games, so honestly, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt bad if you did. Honestly, I, it, this is like the lowest of C grades you can get. Uh, I think he'll get 10 carries in the first, 10 plus carries in the first half. That's only why. Uh, Fournette and Hunt are the only two running backs to top 45 yards on the season against the Texans, and Crowell's averaging 3.1 yards per carry. And when the Browns fall behind by 10 points, Crowell only has eight carries, and that's in over seven and a half quarters worth of play. Yeah. So he's barely getting a touch, a carry per quarter. And they're when... constantly down by 10, which yeah. is why Duke Johnson, as the pass exactly. catching back, is getting so much work. Texans will get up by 10 pretty early. I'm afraid he'll be gone. Crowell will not play much in the second half. Yeah, I think you're right. In the passing game, the only guy I'm really starting, and, and it's a little iffy, is David Njoku. He's scored in three of his four, four games. The Texans are allowing over 70 yards per game to tight ends in the last three weeks. 50 yards or a score for for the starting tight end. I think Najoku's talent is going to win out, even though the valve is still involved. I'm benching Hogan. I'm benching all the wide receivers because it's kind of like fantasy whack-a-mole. Every week it's a different target, right. target later. Remember where Sharp Higgins was a thing three yep. weeks ago? Yep. Yeah. I mean, Ricardo Lewis has 
led in the last two weeks, but I'm not confident in that situation this week against the Texans. All right, let's go to the Houston side. Deshaun Watson, A-grade. He's my number one ranked quarterback this week. He's also playing a team that allows 2.6 touchdowns per game to quarterbacks. Just... uh, He's, he's the the only running quarterback that faced the Browns so far. Brissett ran two in. Deshaun Watson, you know, has the ability to run. Mm-hmm. Every quarterback against the Browns has multiple touchdowns, and I think you can argue Watson's the best quarterback they will face. Yeah. Will have faced. Uh, Hopkins, pretty obvious. A for me. I'm moving on. Uh, C grade for Will Fuller. Yeah, I know he scored twice each of the last two weeks. Yes. But 70% of the, the wide receiver production that goes against the Browns is in the wide receiver one. The the second wide receiver against the Browns is averaging only 24 yards and hasn't scored. All the touchdowns are the number one wide receiver against the Browns. Mm. So I, I don't exactly love him. I, I, I did give him a C grade because of that trust and because the last two weeks, it, it seems like Watson and him do have a connection. Uh, C grade for Lamar Miller. The Browns are holding all the running backs under three yards per carry, and even Le'Veon Bell only had 32 yards in week one. That said... Miller is seeing 63% of the, of the touches, 87% of the snaps last week. He's one of only five backs to have 15, 15 touches every week this season. That volume, I'm giving him a C grade. It's hard, it's hard to ignore. Uh, Ryan Griffin was my take-a-chance-on-me player, and yeah. bench the rest. All right. Perfect. Uh, when we come back, New England takes on the Jets. You'll find out if um, Elijah McGuire is sitting on a big game or not, and if there are any possible Patriots you'd actually bench in this matchup when we return to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Football Weekly. We've got a big block of matchups for you, beginning with New England at the New York Jets. Brian Johnson, start all my Patriots, right? Yeah, I, I do, do not have a bench grade here. Uh, starting with Tom Brady, he gets an A. He's expected to play with a shoulder injury. He'll, uh, play. The, the, he'll play. The Jets have faced garbage quarterbacks outside of Derek Carr, who threw for three touchdowns. Brady can certainly do the same. Rob Gronkowski, on the other hand, I'm going to give him a B. Just for beware, I'm a little nervous with Gronk, as always, but he should be good to go with the thigh injury. Practiced all week. Practiced all week. He'll, Ten days off, he's fine. He will play. Who knows how, how long he'll need to play for, but uh, you're certainly starting him this week against the Jets. Opposing tight ends have been involved against them. Buffalo tight ends combined for five catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. Oakland tight ends caught six balls. Cleveland tight ends caught six for 72-1, and one, so Gronk can uh, match that mm-hmm. box score by himself quite easily. Brandon Cooks, he gets a B as well. His target totals are a little alarming this year. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't seen more than eight targets in a game. Not one target in the red zone yet either. So I'm a little worried about Cooks. But Michael Crabtree had a monster game against the Jets. Devontae Parker had a very strong performance as well. Cooks is certainly of that ilk, so he gets the B grade. And I still like him. I still like him, but I like Chris Hogan more. Mm-hmm. I'm giving him an A here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a homecoming of sorts, by the way. You always got to like the homecoming bonus yes. in, in addition to the revenge. Yes. Not a quite revenge here. Uh, four catches, 70 yards the last time Hogan was in New Jersey. That's a safe floor for him in this one. Over the last three weeks, he has been targeted five times inside the 10-yard line. That's very good usage in the red zone. And taller wide receivers ha- have had more success against New York, so he gets the A grade here. Danny Amendola, I was closely giving him a B, too. I'm going to give him a C with Gronk back in the lineup. But get this. 
Uh, since the start of 2015, Amendola has played in 23 games with Gronk active and six with Gronk inactive. In the games without Gronk, Amendola has only averaged an extra target and less than one added catch per game. Hmm. So it's not like his production hinges on Gronk being no. in the lineup or not. So he, he's certainly so. I, I see. I like more than you, uh, than you do. He's my number twelve wide receiver oh, overall I, this uh, week. I, I, it's the Buster screen effect. Yeah, the screen door, <laughs> as we've called him, Custer mm-hmm. screen because of because of what he lets the opposition do to him. We, um, I think that's a nice matchup, and I still like Amendola. I can be on board with that. Yeah, I was very close to a B, so let's go with a B there. You talked me into it. Uh, and over to the running backs, Mike Gillisley, he only gets a C for me. Over the last three weeks, he has just one rush from inside the five-yard line. No surprise, he hasn't scored since week two. But the Jets are ranked 25th against the run by Football Outsiders DVOA ratings, and they've allowed the fourth most running back touches in goal to go situations. Right. So Gillisley, uh, I think I here's an angle. You got you got Brady coming in with a sore arm. You've got a terrible Jets run defense. Why don't you just run a bunch in this game? Yeah, I like Gillisley, and yeah. if I were doing like a fan ball, if I were used to making a fan ball roster, I would consider avoiding all of the all of the Patriots except Gillisley. And try to take take the angle that it plays out that way as a as a run first offensive game plan. I can't argue that either. Uh, but I, I still like James White though, giving him a B here. Uh, at least eight targets in three of his last four games, and he's caught at least seven passes in those three games. Uh, the Jets have allowed receiving touchdowns in back to back games, and White caught a touchdown in their last meeting. So writing's on the wall for a White touchdown in this game. I think so. Uh, he gets a B grade uh, over to the Jets. Uh, Let's start with Elijah McGuire. You mentioned him. He seems like the best running back start in this game against the Patriots, who are top 12 in uh, rushing and receiving yards allowed to running backs. They, mm-hmm. they, are, they are far more generous through the air. Um, Bilal Powell, very banged up with that calf injury, unlikely to play. Matt Forte should make his return from a toe injury, but I just don't trust that guy. So McGuire is a running back I'm starting out of this crew. I'm giving him a C, almost a borderline B, but he just doesn't hasn't looked that great. He hasn't really passed the eye test, but he should get the opportunities here. He is startable. As is Austin Safarian Jenkins, my premature speculation from a few weeks back. Yeah. Uh, over the last two weeks, ASJ is second among tight ends and catches. He saw a healthy eight targets last week. Oh, thank you, Peacock. Uh, also scored. The Patriots are one of four teams to see 40-plus targets from opposing tight ends, and they've allowed the most red zone targets and red zone touches to tight ends so far this year. So ASJ will continue to surge in this one. I'm also starting Jermaine Curse. He gets a B. At least one opposing wide receiver has caught at least one touchdown indoor top to 100 yards in every game against New England. So it's no surprise the Patriots have also allowed the fifth-most catches and second-most yards to wide receivers. That almost makes Robbie Anderson the Hail Mary C play as well uh, in a game where the, uh, the Jets will likely be chasing points. I don't like it a lot, but if you're desperate, you could play Anderson. And that is why my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback was Josh McCown. Chicago takes on Baltimore, and uh, well, let's start with the, the the guys you can start in Chicago, and there's not a lot. Jordan Howard, for starters, four touchdowns have masked his yardage deficiencies, though. He's been under 80 total yards in four of the five games he's played this year. Um, and the Ravens' defense, though, bottom 10 against the in the league against rushing yards allowed, and they've given up a rushing score in each of the last three games. So I, I expect a lot of running to keep Mitch Trubisky's reps reasonable here. So B-grade on Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen, though, on the bench, he hit rock bottom Monday night, targeted just once, finished with negative six receiving yards, and I don't see the bounce back coming here against Baltimore. They've allowed the fourth fewest receptions to running backs and have not given up a passing touchdown through the air to the position. So he's on the bench. Going to the passing game, everybody's on the bench except Zach Miller. Hmm. Now, we all know rookie quarterbacks do the dump-off stuff to the tight end. We've seen it for years. We saw it last week. It's already starting. Miller will have a decent shot at finding the end zone for a second consecutive week against a Baltimore defense that gave up the three touchdown to Mercedes Lewis a couple of weekends ago. This is an opportunity for Zach Miller 
And if for those another another of the tight end sleep, we got all these slight tight end sleepers coming out our ears today. We it's do. a good thing too because the tight end position has been a disaster yeah. this season. If you don't have one of the good ones, uh, Trubisky showed plenty of talent in, on Monday night, but it didn't equate into fantasy stats at all. Just 128 passing yards. He's got almost no receiving talent to work with. Everybody else is on the bench. Let's go to the Baltimore side. I already told you Alex Collins is my take a chance on me running back. He has a B grade here. Also with a B grade, and it pains me, Bunk Allen. He'll yield a lot of carries to Alex Collins, who is literally doubling up his yards per carry. But he should be able to shine as a receiver against a group of Chicago linebackers potentially missing three or four starters in this game. Allen, Bunk Allen, five or six targets in every game since Danny Woodhead went down. BB, a B grade in PPR, a C grade in standard scoring leagues. The only other starter I've got for you here is Mike Wallace, who remains the downfield threat for Baltimore. But Prince Amukamara could shadow him, and that might effectively neutralize him. Amukamara in the limited duty this year has been good. Chicago basically shut down Minnesota's outside passing game on Monday night. Although... Green Bay, Tampa, and Pittsburgh had wide receivers post at least 75 yards and or a touchdown against the Bear in earlier matchups. Wallace is your home run threat. You know the bid on Wallace. you just got to make the best on his four targets, and yeah. maybe that happens yep, here. Pretty much. Everybody else is on the bench. Uh, Flacco, I don't need to tell you how bad he's been. Jeremy Macklin, total dud since week two. Let's go to our next matchup. Tampa Bay taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, for Tampa Bay... Mike Evans, kind of an inconsistent season, and now he draws Patrick Peterson, another in a series of tough matchups for Evans. What do you think? Yeah, it's a really tough matchup. Uh, Hilton, Bryant, Garcon, Jeffrey all had rough outings against Patrick Peterson. I think Bryant was the only one to score. I gave Mike Evans a B grade. You're probably not benching him, but uh, uh, <laughs> don't get too excited about this matchup. Deshaun Jackson, however, I'm I'm really excited that for that matchup. He draws Justin Bethel, who's been really exploited this this year. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Jackson is averaging a whopping 18 yards per catch, and the number two receiver against the Bucs is also allowing 18 yards per catch to non-number one wide receivers. The Cardinals have also allowed seven wide receivers to either score or get 100 yards against them, and only one of them was the number one wide receiver. Secondary receivers are crushing Mm. the the Bucs crushing the Cardinals this year, and so I, I love Deshaun Jackson. I gave yeah. him a B greet as well. You like uh, Jackson better than Evans? I just might. I mean, it's just the matchup. It's it's yeah. just the matchup. I mean, Deshaun Jackson only needs to catch four or five passes to get to 100 yards the way he's going. So. Well, yeah, when you average 18 yards a catch, that makes it pretty easy. I will say this about Evans and Pat Pete real quick. Uh, I used to do your wide receiver rankings way back in the yeah. day for uh, Fantasy Victory Church. Right. I remember doing a detailed look at all the touchdowns of Patrick Peterson. It's allowed. tall guys. It's all the tall guys. Yep. Like mm-hmm. Six, three or higher for like two to three years were the only ones who scored against Patrick Peterson. And, I like uh, that angle. Evans certainly falls in that category, but it's a yeah, tough matchup. Like yeah, he said. still gets a B grade. So. Absolutely. Uh, Jameis Winston, I gave an A grade. Uh, he's been crushing it the last three weeks. 41 pass attempts and 330 yards per game over that stretch. He scored in all but one of his NFL games, and he faces a, a Cardinals defense that allows two touchdowns per week to quarterbacks on average. Uh, top 12 quarterback for me this week. Cameron Brait scored three, t- three weeks in a row. He's caught four balls or got ever, uh, over six targets in every one of those games. He led the league in touchdowns last year. Ertz and Doyle had good games against the Cardinals. Uh, I think Brait's a C start. Doug Martin, I 
give a B start to. I'm mostly hoping for volume here. Yeah. The last three backs that have played Arizona got between 75 and 95 total yards. And I think with four, 14 touches and 5.7 yards per carry in his first game, if he gets similar workload this week, he could be a decent B start. Mm-hmm. Bench the rest. Over on Arizona, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, I think he's pretty automatic start. He's third in the league in targets and receptions, and this week gets matched up against one one of Pro Football Focus's lowest-rated cornerbacks in Robert McLean. Uh, uh, across from him, John Brown. Uh, he the, the the games that he was healthy for, he was second in targets behind Fitzgerald, and the and the Bucks have allowed. 11 different receivers to gain either 50 yards or a touchdown. And that's just in four weeks, 11 different receivers. So I think there's opportunity for him there. Uh, Carson Palmer, I'm actually giving an A grade. He's attempting 45 passes per game. His offensive line and running game are terrible, so he has to. Palmer averages 315 yards per game, and the Bucs are allowing 315 yards per game. And the Bucs are also giving up two touchdowns per game to quarterbacks. I think it's a nice, nice matchup for Palmer. Uh at the in the running game, yeah. What about Adrian Peterson? Yeah, Adrian Peterson. I'm I'm kind of in wait and see mode. I I did give him a C grade, but if he slots right into that 10 to 15 touches that Chris Johnson has, mm-hmm. uh, that the volume might get him there. The Bucks have only allowed one rushing touchdown, but he might get enough volume. As far as Ellington, they're, they're Ellington's gained 10 targets and over 70 yards per game over the last three weeks. It's it's hard to bench him. I give him a B grade just on that safe PPR floor. Yeah, and Ellington's usage won't change with Adrian Peterson. It's not like no, Peterson's going to eat not. into his receptions. No way. <laughs> Peterson, the receiving back. No. Ah. And and the Bucks are bottom seven in receiving yards allowed to running back. So that's prime for Ellington. I'm benching everyone else. Sounds good. Uh, let's uh, let's try to squeeze in one more matchup into this segment, and that is the Los Angeles Chargers at the Oakland Raiders. Brian. The Los Angeles, the Chargers' passing attack is always really difficult to figure out, with the exception of one guy. Keenan Allen seems to always get his targets. How do you feel about Keenan Allen in this matchup? Yeah, I'm going to give Keenan Allen an A. Uh, he will see slot corner TJ Carey, who Pro Football Focus has ranked 96th out of 115 cornerbacks. That is not good. So, uh, yeah, and two of the last three slot receivers to face Oakland have caught at least six passes, so that's probably a safe floor for Keenan Allen. He's caught six passes in a quarter before, so he gets the A grade. I'm giving Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin a C here. Even though Mike Williams is likely to make his pro debut, uh, Williams is on the bench for me. i got to see him do something before he is startable in fantasy. But um, as for Williams and Benjamin, uh, Oakland's outside cornerbacks, Sean Smith and David Amerson, have uh, not been too good this year. Yeah. Both, both have a, allowed a, a passer rating of 140-plus in their coverage what? this year. 140-plus? Uh, both, individually, a rating of over 140. Wow, that's and, uh, they, terrible. They've allowed a combined four touchdowns. As well, so I like Williams and Benjamin in this game. Benjamin caught a touchdown uh, in one game and topped 100 yards in the other against Oakland last year. So I'll give them both a start, and uh, that certainly makes Philip Rivers startable. Uh, he gets a B. Uh, he totaled six touchdowns against the Raiders last year, who are allowing a, a completion percentage of 69 this season. Mm. And uh, Rivers just put up a hat trick on the road against the vaunted Giants secondary, so he's in play here. I should have mentioned Hunter Henry first. He gets a B as well. Uh, he was actually utilized again last week. Uh, in games where he's actually been targeted this year, yeah, which is three of five. Yeah, three of yes, <laughs> he's been great in those three games. Yeah, he's scored or topped eighty yards in those games. Right, so at least throw him the ball once, and something good is going to happen. So he he gets to be. I'm putting Gates on the bench. 
He finally has what he needs to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but, but, he's but, coasting now. Be, but who knows? Watch Gates come and score three touchdowns. I don't think so. No, I, no, I don't no, think no. so. Henry's the guy you want to start. I think Gates at this point is injury backup guy to Hunter Henry. Yeah, I'm with you. But uh, you never know what old man value, what tricks he can uh, has up his sleeve. But anyway, uh, lastly for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon gets an A. Looked awesome last week. The Raiders just allowed 112 yards to C.J. Anderson and 95-1 and to Javoris Allen. Gordon can certainly put up those numbers. Um, over to Oakland side, Derek Carr is making his return from a broken back. Yes, broken. And by the way, two weeks early, which I don't like, to be no. honest. Uh-huh. Not that I wanted to see more of E.J. Manuel, but I'm nervous about him getting through this game. Yeah, I need to. Uh, I'll give him a C. No, I'm going to put him on the bench. Screw it. He's on the bench. Chargers are allowing just like 225 yards and one and a half passing touchdowns per game to quarterbacks. That's probably Carr's ceiling in this game where I said I'd like the running backs to be leaned on heavily here. So yeah. he, he's on the bench for me. And Amari Cooper is not on the bench, but he's pretty damn close. I'm giving him a C. Here's his yardage uh, output in the last three games. Six, nine, eight. That's unbelievable. From Amari Cooper. <laughs> I, it's, I, never, I never thought that would happen in even one game, let alone three straight single-digit yardage games from Amari Cooper. So if you're an Amari Cooper owner, gr- grab a coin and flip it because here are his four career box scores against the, uh, the Chargers. Five for one thirty-three and one, then two for ten, then six for one thirty-eight and one, and then one for twenty-eight. Yeah. So, if science tells us anything, he's had a huge <laughs> game here based on that that, that pattern. But uh, anyway, he gets to see until he, he starts showing he can catch the ball. I will give Mar- Michael Crabtree an A though. Returned to action last week, topped eighty yards and scored. He scored in all four meetings with the Chargers, mm-hmm. who have allowed the second most wide receiver touchdowns, and at least one wide receiver has scored in all five of the uh, LA's games. Uh, Jared Cook is on the bench. I'm close to giving him a C grade because tight end is such a wasteland. Uh, Cook still. Well, we've that. given you like three, four guys already that you can take yeah. a chance on. Too so many, many, too many tight ends already. And the Chargers are bottom five and targets allowed to tight ends, so not a great opportunity for Cook here. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, though, I will give him a B. Uh, your boy, Charge, the Chargers are allowing five and a half yards per carry and have allowed 105 more rushing yards than the next closest team so far this year. Jeez. So Lynch yeah, gets a I'm B. Lynch, it's, I'm, I, we urged people, well, at least I did, two weeks ago to go buy low on Lynch, and I think we're going to be paid off last week. He's going to pay off this week. Yep, uh, he, I think he will as well, and uh, I also think Jalen Richard will. That's why he is my take a chance on me running back. We're going to work in one call here. Uh, ben, hello. Hello. Hi, Ben. What's up? <laughs> How's it going with you guys? Good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Um, I got a question. I made a bonehead uh, trade. Um, do you guys like uh, Kamara more than Abdullah? Oh, a lot more. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The okay. problem with then Abdullah the is, you know, <laughs> Abdullah doesn't get any receptions. That's theoretic. He doesn't get any goal line work. That's Zach Zenner in the rare instances that they even run inside the five. So he's just the yardage guy between the 20s, and that just doesn't move the needle much. Well, the second leg of that is I had to trade Matt Ryan and Abdullah to get Kamara and Tariq Cohen. So I'm cool with that trade. I, have, I like it. I like it. Now, should I, now, do I drop Tariq Cohen and pick up Alex Collins or um, Foreman from Houston? Uh, I'd probably go with Alex Collins on that. I, I, I don't know. Cohen's, Cohen's snap percentage keeps going down, and Alex Collins keeps going up. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's only a matter of time. Be, Cohen, uh, Alex Collins is the most explosive back for the Ravens. I'd probably I'd probably go after Alex Collins. All right. If I speak quickly, can I can I ask one more? You get to because uh, it is not lightning round. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Charge. Um, uh, Mike Evans. You guys are just talking about possibly. He's a B. Mm-hmm. In my PPR league, I'm going to run him off. I got Crabtree, 
uh, Tate, Devontae Adams, Tevin Coleman, and Buck Allen. Yeah, PPR. he may not One be. Point. He may not be a starter in that scenario. I'd start yeah. him over Buck Allen, but that's it. I think I like okay. all the other Excellent, receivers guys. better. All right, guys, you're the best. I'm I'm trying to throw uh, you guys out there for uh, in UPS and get more and more listeners out here in Milwaukee. For Thank you. Guys. you. Thank so you. Then, I love you guys. Take care. Appreciate it, Ben. Bye. I was just in Milwaukee at the Paps Theater. Man, is that beautiful. Holy cow, what a venue. That was terrific. When we come back, five tough questions for a panel of experts. You can play along. See if you can go 5-0 and oh when we return to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly, hour number two. My co-host today, Scott Fish, his inaugural show. Brian Johnson, welcome back. See, here's the deal, Scott. No, she's not listening because your mic's mic not is, on. Your mic is not on. That's, oh, part, of the, that's part of becoming a savvy radio. <laughs> you know, you can do a million podcasts, but at the podcast, you just turn on the record button and you don't have to worry about it again. It's a little trickier here. You could even, you know, if you turn your mic on, and you'll talk right through the commercials or whatever. We'll so, say hi to your wife now, though. Maybe I'll, I think you're trying yeah, to say hi to your wife. Say, yeah, no, I was, yeah, I just said my wife is listening, so we get one extra listener this week. Excellent. <laughs> what, she doesn't, she doesn't listen every week? Hot question number one. She will now. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll to this point, he hasn't scored a single touchdown, and he's averaging just three yards per carry. But from this point forward, will Cardinals running back Adrian Peterson be an RB1, RB2, flex, or bench, Scott. Flex. Uh, I, I think he's going to get that 10 to 15 touches per game, but I, I don't think he's going to get much more. That offensive line is just terrible, just terrible, and he doesn't contribute in the passing game. I think the offense is going to run about how it ran with Chris Johnson. Maybe Adrian Peterson's a little better, but uh, I think he's purely in, in flex mode. Brian? Yeah, I think I'm going to put him on the bench. I, I don't like Peterson for many, many reasons. Uh, he's not catching any passes. We know that. I think Edward Scissorhands has a better chance of catching passes out of that backfield. Uh, here's some things uh, AD hasn't done since the 2015 season. Uh, score a touchdown. <laughs> uh, get 20 carries. Uh, top 33 rushing yards. And I don't like his chance of doing any of those things behind the Arizona line that is ranked 30th in run blocking by football outsiders. They're scheduled through week 14. Uh, when I think David Johnson comes back at the very latest is not that great. Uh, you have the Rams on there twice. You have a bye, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Houston, Tennessee. There's only two soft matchups between now and week 14. So I'm putting Peterson on the bench on my team. The correct answer is flex because the opportunity is so good for him. He, there will be opportunities. He will get almost all the carries. He is better than the undead corpse of the tap dancing Nancy, Chris Johnson. Carson Palmer plays almost 60% of his snaps under center, and that's critical for Adrian as well. We don't know how good or bad he really is because we've seen so little of him. We know he's not elite Adrian Peterson, but in all probability, he's a step up from Chris Johnson. And I see the schedule differently than you. I see only one top five run defense the rest of the way, and that's not for another 10 weeks. So I think there will be some schedule opportunities. The bad news, Arizona calls the fewest running plays in the NFL. And so it will not be a volume opportunity for him. It's going to be goal line stuff. And can he turn 15 carries into something meaningful at a flex spot? The answer is sometimes, yeah. Devani's hot 
question number two. To this point, he hasn't scored a single touchdown, and he's averaging just three yards per carry. But from this point forward, will Bills running back LaShawn McCoy be an RB1, an RB2, a flex, or a bench? Brian. Uh, well, in the preseason, McCoy was one of the guys I dubbed as a, a wanna bell, a wanna bell cow, because he didn't get the the red zone opportunities that you like to see. But uh, he's actually getting his. Uh, uh, that's the vulture. That's the sound of Mike Tolbert. Mike Tolbert. That's right. Nicely done. But Shady is fifth in carries from inside the ten yard line. He's third in red zone targets among running backs. So he's actually getting the opportunities that have evaded him in the past. Um, he's also has the second highest target percentage among running backs. He's getting 24% of the Bills targets, uh, which is a higher higher ratio than wide receivers like Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, Pierre Garcon, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey. So he's getting a ton of touches, a lot of opportunity. I'm going to keep him at the RB1 level. I do like his schedule moving forward. He has Tampa Bay, Oakland, at New York Jets, New Orleans, at the Chargers. Those are five-plus matchups in a row, so I'm going RB1 with Shady. All right. I'm going RB2. I like a lot of what Brian just said, but I coming into the season, I didn't love Shady because I don't like running backs once they hit that 1,800-yard marker. We just talked about Adrian Peterson when he hit the, excuse me, that 1,800 carry, carry marker. Mark, yeah. in, the last 17, or in the last 17 years, only a couple backs have been really productive after 1,800 carries, and LaShawn McCoy hit 1,898 at the start of the season. So I... I don't love him as an RB1 going forward. I like him as an RB2. I think he's going to be a pretty consistent RB2 based on his based on his touches. But, man, there, there are a lot of backs I like better sometimes. Uh, the correct answer is RB1. And, Brian, uh, I took many of my talking points. I'll only mention a couple other things. Whole new offense for Buffalo. It's not uncommon for that to take a month, two months, to really settle in. So I think there's a reason to think they get better. And... The Bills' defense is really good, so the team is never like an abandon the run mode because they're down by 21 points at half. So, then I I believe that McCoy will bounce back for all the reasons that uh, Brian elucidated. And by the way, there are some desperate McCoy owners out there who have languished with him right now, are probably sitting at zero one two wins, and they're looking at a bye week right now for McCoy. If you've got a strong team that can afford to maybe take a loss this week because you've just acquired McCoy, man, go after him. What a great opportunity to buy low on McCoy. Devani's hot question number three. Ezekiel Elliott will miss zero games, six games, or something in between. Scott? I'm going to go with zero games. We've seen it with the star caps. We've seen it with Tom Brady. We, I just uh, I just have a feeling this is going to get hung up in courts. I, I think that they will file another injunction. I, I'm i not sure if he gets it. I think it's a 50-50 coin flip, but uh, lawyers are sneaky. <laughs> so I'm going to go with zero games. I think they're going to be able to push it off. Right. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a coin flip between zero and the six. So I'm just going to say it's going to fall somewhere in between. If, uh, you know, he can get a cut to three to four games, I think he should just take his medicine and accept that suspension and move on with it. Uh, I hope he gets six just because I, I don't like him as a person. As a I'm person. Like and don't have him on any of my fantasy team. So oh, I'm going to say six. Just so maybe. <laughs> You're going to go six. Yeah, six. All right. Sure. Um, most probable outcome is he will get zero uh, for the reasons that Scott mentioned. Preliminary injunction will likely be granted because Zeke's case seems to have a lot of merit. Remember, the Texas court, people are confusing why the Texas court uh, rolled this thing back. It wasn't because the case didn't have merit. It's because they said we're not the right jurisdiction. 
and the right jurisdiction is New York. So go to New York court. So now they're just going to repeat the same process in New York. And um, among other things, the NFL didn't listen to the advice of their own lead investigator. And that's going to be, I think that, that, and we don't know all the details of what, of what they're suggesting, but that's that by itself suggests that this case will have some merit and that a court will look at it and go, yes, we'll grant you a, a preliminary injunction so we can figure out if we want to, uh, we want to hear a full case on this. The most probable outcome is zero games. Devani's hot question number four. With the development of Aaron Jones, how nervous should Ty Montgomery owners be? A, totally chill. B, mild intestinal cramping. Or C, Harvey Weinstein wants to have a private meeting in his office level of nervousness. Brian. I might go D, and he wants to have a meeting with Bill Cosby in his office about <laughs> a, a project that they want to work on with you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very worried if I'm a Ty Montgomery owner. I've kind of expressed this throughout the preseason. I just don't think Montgomery, uh, he, well, he doesn't have the track record of a proven running back who can handle 20, 20-ish carries a game, and he's already been knocked out uh, in the first quarter of the season. So I, I'd be very nervous if I'm a Ty Montgomery owner, and he has struggled mightily on the ground. He, has, he does have the highest percentage of carries against an extra f- defender in the box. Uh, that's from the running back scout who I mentioned last week. So he's not like he's a bad running back, but I just think Green Bay needs a more traditional back, especially near the goal line. So I am, uh, I'm taking C. You're taking the Harvey Weinstein approach. Yes. Okay. I'm just taking mild discomfort because I think – uh, even though Ty Montgomery is still hurt a little bit, when he does come back, and it might be soon, uh, he's still going to get the the points in the passing game. And I think he's still got a role there, even if he gets half Wally pipped by Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the guy I liked in Dynasty coming into the season. I didn't really expect this to happen so quick, but Aaron Jones is a really good back, and I, I can see that being a timeshare. Aaron Jones is a really good back. He looks like a better fit in this offense. He runs harder. He's bigger than than Ty Montgomery is. That said, the probable outcome here is that Ty Montgomery shifts into a timeshare, change of pace back, and he could do a lot of what Christian McCaffrey is doing for Carolina. Five or six rushes, five or six receptions a game. You know, he finishes with 70 yards in a lot of games, and that's not the end of the world. So, only mild intestinal cramping. Devani's hot question number five. I hope somewhere somebody turned on the radio just for the end of that. (laughs) Should fantasy owners drop every last giant? Scott. Sure. I I was thinking that Evan Ingram might be the guy I want. Before last week, he, he had four catches and 40 yards in every single game. Uh, I, I really, really like Evan Ingram, and right now he might end up being their wide receiver one, even though he's a tight end, right? Right. But there are so many tight end options out there on a weekly basis that I just, just random flex play kind of just matchup plays that I don't know that you need to roster Ingram. He might be the only guy, but let's just go with none. Drop them all. Okay. Brian? Uh, nah, it's when it hits home. Nah, not really. But I'm I'm not dropping uh, Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram just yet. I, I see both getting at least eight targets per game, and that's, that's volume that you need to roster. And uh, starting in Week 10... You know, you're going to have to go through a few rough patches here. But, uh, we, we, we can go heading into the fantasy playoffs. You have at San Francisco, Kansas City, then at Washington, at Oakland, and Dallas. Uh, those are plus matchups for both players outside of Kansas City. 
uh, most likely. And uh, the good stretch continues into Week 15 and 16 for Shepard. He has Philly, who has been brutal against wide receivers, and Arizona, who has struggled mightily against slot wide receivers. So I think both are rosterable at the very least. Maybe not startable every week, but don't drop them just yet. Is that or is that not factoring in Eli Manning getting traded to the Jaguars? <laughs> At this point, I don't know if that's addition by subtraction, or not, to be honest with you. But no, not factoring that yet. I'd be open to those talks. So bring bring the board of potty to Jersey. The, the yeah. correct answer is drop all of your Giants, and it's because of the schedule that you blew by. You know, yeah, sure. In week ten. In the meantime, I got a bye week. I can't. I got bye weeks for the next four weeks. I at Denver this week. You can't play anybody. Seattle the next week can't play anybody. By week, you can play Shepard against Seattle and Ingram. I don't think so. I wouldn't. That's where you tag him. Uh, maybe See. through the middle. I don't. But you're you're even assuming that Shepard stays in the slot. We don't know that that's going to be the case. They might kick him outside because he's the best receiver. Fair point. Who knows? Either way, you're not going to feel comfortable starting any of these guys for a month. I can't hold. I can't advocate holding guys with zero getting get that you can't you don't feel like starting for one month in the middle of these bye weeks. So, yeah, schedule might clear up later, but somebody's going to be dropping those guys between now and then anyway. I really nailed those questions. You did. I got four <laughs> you out of five. You get four out of five. I think I got one. High score of all time, six out of five, John Tooby. Uh, <laughs> let's work in one matchup into this segment, and it's the San Francisco 49ers at Washington. And I already gave you Brian Hoyer's my take a chance on me quarterback. I, I like Pierre Garçon a lot, too. Is I'm I'm curious. Is there an angle for Pierre Garçon mm. in a matchup with Washington? Can't think of one. Mm. He faces his former team without star corner Josh Norman, who's going to be sidelined with a rib injury. Garçon hasn't scored yet, but everything else has been great. He's getting targeted ten over ten times in uh, each game. He's uh, he's on a fantastic pace from a yardage standpoint. With Norman, the Redskins have been a have been very good against wide receivers, but most of that's because Norman's their key guy. Viking fans listening here locally, I mean, imagine if you take Xavier Rhodes out of this secondary, what happens? Everything changes. So I still like Pierre Garcon at a B level. Marquise Goodwin is a deep sleeper. Non-number one receivers have outproduced the number one wide receivers going up against Washington, and Goodwin's coming off a gigantic game last week, a targeted 11 times. So deep sleeper Marquise Goodwin. George Kittle will be your fifth tight end deep sleeper that you could pick up this week. Now, he went bonkers last week, and we're not chasing last week's box score, though. Washington has allowed at least 95 yards or a score to every starting tight end they have faced. That's Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey, which you expect, but also Gerald Everett and Jared Cook. If those guys can hammer the Washington secondary from the tight end position, why not George Kittle? Carlos Hyde gets a C grade here. He's got three different problems working against him. He's got a hip injury, which isn't healed. Matt Breida's role is increasing. And lastly, the Washington run defense is elite, giving up just 66 rushing yards per game. Only one opposing runner has scored. Now, Hyde could have a little more success through the air. The Redskins are giving up 46 yards through the air, so maybe together he can chip together a, a decent game, and that's why he does get a starting grade for me. We'll keep Matt Breida on the bench. Flipping over to the Washington side, this entire Washington matchup is basically goes comes down to this. Man, that guy's been a bust, but i got to start him one more time because of this matchup. That's your reoccurring theme for this one. Hmm. Let's start, and most of it relates to the passing game. Kirk Cousins gets a B because San Francisco owns a bottom 10 ranking against opposing quarterbacks in all of these categories. Pass attempts, pass completions, and passing yards allowed. They've only given up three passing touchdowns, but that feels fluky to me, and I, I think the touchdowns are coming. Terrell Pryor, 
It's another in a series of seemingly juicy matchups for Terrell Pryor. Hopefully he will do better than what we've seen so far. Since week two, Pryor owns painful averages of just two catches, 40 yards, and a third of a touchdown per game. But San Francisco, bottom 12 rankings against opposing receivers and targets, receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns allowed. So we like Pryor. Jamison Crowder's been invisible. But John Gruden, Jay Gruden, vows to get him more involved. And it should start this week since he'll face arguably the worst slot corner in the league, Kwan Williams. Quan Williams? I think it's Quan. Quan Williams. Not There's sure. plenty of danger here, though. In his last game, Crowder faced the other slot cornerback who's in the conversation for the worst, Philip Gaines, and Crowder put up negative seven yards last week in a juicy matchup. So I've still got to see great on, on Crowder because it feels like it ought to all work out. Let's go to the running game. Chris Thompson. Love him this week. He draws a defense that currently owns bottom five rankings in targets, receptions, and receiving yards and receiving touchdowns to opposing tailbacks. So Thompson should be good through the air. Really almost a, a dream dream opportunity for him, especially with Rob Kelly almost certainly not suiting up here. Last week, utility back Marlon Mack carved up the Niners. This week, Chris Thompson, utility back. Samaje Pirine should get all the start here with Rob Kelly expected to miss the game. Um but we've got a long look at, at P. Ryan because Kelly's been out of the lineup. He's logged 46 carries. He's turned those into 3.1 yards per carry. That's it. Niners' run defense is actually pretty good. Dramatically improved from last year, giving up just 3.9 yards per carry. So I've got P. Ryan on the bench. When we come back, the Los Angeles Rams take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's an elite running matchup for both of these teams. We'll tell you who we like more between Gurley and Leonard Fournette when we come back. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Welcome back. Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchin, Scott Fish. Mike Ontiff this time. My God. Nice seat. You're trainable. There it is. Inaugural show for Scott Fish. You can send him some love on Twitter. Let him know how he's doing. At ScottFish24. Why the 24? Big Ken Griffey Jr. fan growing up. All right. Did you like the video game? I did. Yeah. Loved it. Loved yeah, the it. SNES video game. Um, what about the TV show? You had a TV show? The TV show? No, but there was, what, 24? Oh. oh. Yeah, TV oh, show oh, 24. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, bring yeah. on the booze. Bring on, bring on the booze. Let's, uh, let's talk to Rams and Jacksonville. It's two elite running backs against two really bad run defenses. Is this as straightforward as it looks? It really is. Todd Gurley's an A start. Over the first four weeks of the season, the Jaguars, Jaguars were stomped for 149 rushing yards per game. Uh, they're allowing the second most rushing yards per game. Le'Veon Bell didn't crush him last week, but he, he did get Wait, 93 Well, he should have, but they didn't take the ball. They kept... They asked they asked uh, Ben Roethlisberger to throw 55 times in the game. Exactly. There was just poor game plan, 15 carries for Le'Veon Bell. I think that Sean McVay is going to learn from Tomlin's mistake mm-hmm. and run Todd Gurley down their throat. Last week was the only week Gurley didn't get 95 yards. I think he gets back on track this week. Uh, I'm benching everyone else in this game. I just am. Uh, the entire passing game plays a top-four Jags defense that leads the NFL in sacks, interceptions, defensive touchdowns, and even second in fumble recoveries. They're, right. they're only allowing 195 passing yards per game. Watkins and Woods gets A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, two of the best cornerbacks right. in the league. And even if you think Cooper Cup is a sneaky play, slot receivers are only averaging 27 yards per game against them. So uh, Antonio Brown, the only receiver to top 60 yards, bench every one of the 
everybody else for the Rams, really. All right, let's go to the Jag side. Leonard Jag Fournette, side. obviously. Started. Obviously. Only obviously. Run, only, uh, only player with a touchdown in every game this week so far. Yep, and the Rams are kind of on that same boat. They've allowed seven touchdowns over the, over the course of the season mm-hmm. and 166 rushing yards per or 166 yards per game to running backs. This is ju- just such a great matchup for Fournette. The the J- the Rams did hold down the that mess that they call the Seattle backfield last week. Right. But six different running backs before that either got 75 yards or a touchdown. Fournette should have no trouble doing both. Chris Ivory was my take a chance on me, kind of a dart throw C start, you know, yeah. just, you know, if you have some injuries or buys. Otherwise, I'm benching everyone else. Blake Bortles attempting 27 passes per game, throwing for less than 150 yards three times, and doesn't have a multi-touchdown game. It's just they have had a different wide receiver target leader each of the last three games. It's a hard pass for everybody else. Pittsburgh takes on Kansas City, and uh, we've got got an A grade in Antonio Brown. He's always an A start. Uh, I will note that he only runs 34% of his plays from the right side of the field where star cornerback Marcus Peters plays, so that means... The corresponding 66% of the plays are not on Marcus Peters, and the Chiefs have allowed the most touchdowns to opposing receivers. So Antonio Brown gets an A. That means, conversely, Martavis Bryant is going to be on the Marcus Peters side more often than not. And so that means he's on the bench, and he's been brutal this year anyway. Juju Smith-Schuster, the other receiver from the slot, was my take-a-chance-on-me wide out this week. Ben Roethlisberger, through all of that, comes out as a B here. There's a ton of intangibles in play. Will Ben Roethlisberger bounce back from the self-doubt that he vocalized after last week's five-interception game? He has a chance. Chiefs have the 25th-ranked pass defense. They've given up nine passing touchdowns uh, on the season since week four. Opposing quarterbacks have enjoyed a cumulative touchdown-to-interception ratio ratio of 7-0. to zero. Um, but then again, it's been on the road, where over the last three years, he's averaging one touchdown pass. Over the last half season of road games, under one touchdown pass per game. So plenty of uh, of possibilities here for Ben Roethlisberger, a wide variety of potential outcomes. And Le'Veon Bell. Normally, I just go, he's an A and forget about it. But this is a tricky matchup. Now, he housed Kansas City last week in the two meetings, last year in the two meetings. But this year, the Chiefs haven't allowed a back to reach 80 yards rushing. They've given up just one rushing touchdown since week one. They've been even better against pass-catching backs, holding them to three catches, 22 yards per game, and no receiving touchdowns. I've got the rare B grade on Le'Veon Bell. Going over to the Kansas City side, Kareem Hunt is an obvious A against a bad Pittsburgh run defense. In fact, he's my number one running back for the week, Kareem Hunt. Let's go to the passing game. Alex Smith is a C. Against the Steelers' defense, the path of least resistance definitely on the ground. And the game plan looks dubious for Alex Smith here. Fortunately, his newfound downfield passing prowess means that Alex Smith can get decent numbers on limited volume. Still, Pittsburgh's given up just three passing touchdowns all year, which is awesome. And an average of just 164 yards per game. So it's a it's barely a C grade on Alex Smith. Tyreek Hill, another low-volume guy in a tough matchup with a Steelers secondary that hasn't allowed a wide receiver to top 55 yards all year. But he is insanely fast, and the three Steelers cornerbacks are unusually slow, so maybe he cracks a long one here. He did nothing in the two matchups. Tyreek Hill did nothing in the two matchups last year. Hasn't Pittsburgh played, like, the Browns? And the Jaguars. That's yeah, not. It's not, it's not a lot of great Vikings in a in a game. It was Case Keenum did not you know Bears, he was going to start. Yeah. yeah, it's 
So there's some of that, too. Yeah. But still, I feel like this has got Kareem Hunt running oh, up absolutely. and down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and those teams have all been running on the Steelers. If those teams can run on the Steelers, Kareem Hunt, the NFL leader in rushing yards, will certainly do that as well. Uh, Travis Kelsey's going to play in this game, uh, but it's not a particularly favorable matchup. This is a Steelers defense that has allowed just one tight end touchdown and no tight ends to top 45 yards all year. He did uh, have a moderate level of success last year in the two matchups. B grade on Travis Kelsey. When we come back, we'll run through our final set of matchups, premature speculation and lightning round, all that between now and the top of the hour. You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Final segment of Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Paul Charchian, Scott Fish, Brian Johnson. If you go to fanball.com, type in fanball.com slash charch. You can play in the great charch chase. Brian, tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, just go to the link you mentioned, fanball.com slash charch. Uh, play for free. Win up to 150 bucks this week. Uh, they get to take you on charch. You'll have a lineup in the contest. Yep. They beat your score. Uh, you earn an entry into the Week 17 Charge Chase Championship that has a $15,000 prize pool. So we, we run these every week. You can stockpile tickets if you beat Charge. It's yeah. not easy. Charge has laid the gauntlet down, though. He's ready for you to take him on. So go to fanball.com slash Charge. Premature speculation is a bit that we do every show where we give you some guys that we think you should pick up now that are potentially hot waiver wire pickups next week. Scott, who you got? You know, I'm going with Tyler Croft. Uh, he They're on by this week. So now that Eifert's out for the season, mm-hmm. people might not be picking him up right now because of the buy. But then next week they may be. Yeah, exactly. So get him before be, get him before everybody else. He, he's averaging uh, since Eifert's been out. He's been averaging four catches and about forty five yards per game, and he scored twice. Uh, he's the second most targeted wide receiver or tight end on the Bengals over the last three weeks, and five of his final nine games are against. P- bottom 12 pass defenses, including Ooh. two in the playoff, in your really? fantasy playoffs. I like it. Yep, yeah, so. Eifert's out for the year. So, yep. you know, you got clear sailing with him. Exactly. All right, Brian, who's your premature speculation guy? I'm going to go second-round rookie wide receiver Zay Jones of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Zay has done virtually nothing, nothing so yes. far this year, but uh, someone needs to step up at wide receiver for Buffalo with Jordan Matthews still on the shelf. Um, that someone has to be Jones who has more targets than fellow Buffalo wide receivers Brandon Tate, Andre Holmes, and Kalen Clay combined. Jones was targeted three times inside the red zone in his last game, so that was some uh, encouraging usage. He's on his bye this week, so no one's going to be adding him now. But uh, I think you should, because looking ahead, he's got a pretty nice schedule the next four weeks for wide receivers. Tampa Bay, Oakland, at New York Jets, and New Orleans. So those are kind of some uh, shootout-type scenarios, you could say. Uh, not really for Buffalo's never in a shootout, but Zay Jones is going to see volume. Uh, Jordan Matthews is getting dropped everywhere, and he's going to be out for another two weeks. I wonder at some point if we're not going to be talking about him as a guy. You know, if Zay Jones doesn't emerge, when Jordan Matthews comes back, then he's got to be the guy. I'm calling dibs on that one. All right, that's two weeks from now. Uh, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to try to do it quickly. One is Ricardo Lewis. He's the latest of the Browns receivers to to play uh, Uh, Mm whack-a-mole. But he's Kevin Hogan's guy. This is the difference here. In the last two games, he's gotten eight and nine targets, which has produced solid yardage numbers, 64 and 71 yards. And Kevin Hogan's your starter. And frankly, I think he's better than Deshaun Kaiser. So, at least to my eyes. So, I think Kevin Hogan's going to hold that job at least for a while. 
I'll take his number one receiver. Kenny Britt's going to miss another game with a knee injury. Not that he's even particularly relevant here. And the Browns are playing from behind in virtually every game. They have the sixth highest pass ratio of 63%. Then secondarily, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I know my track record on figuring out when the Brady-Garoppolo handoff is coming is a tad spotty. But here's your here's your angle. Tom Brady has absorbed more sacks this year than all of last year already. He's on pace to shatter his personal record for the most sacks in any season with 51. He's also on pace to shatter his pelvis if this keeps up. For some uh, perspective on 51 sacks, that's nine more than the most sacked quarterback in the league last year, Tyrod Taylor. So he's on pace to have nine more sacks than the most sacked quarterback for last year. And as we've discussed before, when you get to Brady's age, the end comes with injury. Here's your angle. Uh, fortunately, this week the Patriots play the team getting the fewest sacks, the Jets. So maybe you don't have to do it this week. But if Garoppolo came back. If Brady went out and Garoppolo were playing, Garoppolo would likely be a top 10 fantasy quarterback most weeks. Let's get our final two matchups in. Next up, Detroit takes on New Orleans. Brian, we got a one-legged quarterback for Detroit. Yeah, normally you'd give uh, almost any opposing quarterback in New Orleans an A, but I'm going to give Stafford a B here because he's Mm -hmm. so banged up with that leg injury, and he's taking a lot of hits. uh, New Orleans' pass rush is fairly legit, so I'm a little worried about Stafford finishing this game, but uh, he's certainly worth the start in this matchup. Uh, a guy that's definitely worth a start is Golden Eight, uh, Golden Golden Eight, Golden <laughs> Tate, uh, giving him an A on the fast track. I love him this week. Yeah, uh, in his career, he's played 39 games indoors and 63 outdoors. Tate has scored 17 touchdowns in his 39 indoor games, nearly half a touchdown per game. He's only scored 12 in the 63 outdoor games. He's also compiled more yards and uh, catches in the 39 indoor games than compared to the total from the 63 outdoor game. So he's a great play, especially with Kenny Vaccaro expected to cover him from the slot. Vaccaro's a safety. He's not a cornerback. So Tate's a primo, primo play. Uh, the other wide receivers are not, though. Kenny Galladay have on the bench. Not even sure if he's going to play yet. He hasn't played since week three. He can't be trusted. I'm on the fence with Marvin Jones. Uh, Ken Crawley and Marshawn Lattimore are very good cornerbacks for the Saints. Not uh, Since week one, no opposing wide receiver has topped 80 yards, and only one has scored against the Saints. So I got Marvin Jones on the bench here. Uh, as I do with Eric Ebron, uh, could never block. Last week he proved he can't catch anymore, no. so he shouldn't even be on the field. Not rosterable. Not rosterable. We've, over the course of the show, we've given you five tight ends that I would rather play over Eric Ebron, mm-hmm. who are available in almost every league. This could be the last time we mention his name on this show. Hopefully That'd be fine with me. Yep. Uh, then on to the, the running backs for Detroit. I'll give Amir Abdullah B. Has at least 15 carries in three of five games this year. He was vultured by Zach Center last week, so fire up that sound effect if you want, Tony. Uh, but New Orleans is ranked 30th against the run by Football Outsiders and has allowed the fourth most catches and second most receiving yards to running backs. So Abdul will get work on the ground and in the air, so he's still a B-level play. And, and those passing numbers should make Theo Riddick a, a solid start in this one, but he has double-digit touch, double digit touches in just one of five games played. Uh, so for me, he's still yeah. on the bench, even I in this right. matchup. So... Uh, He's on the bench over the Saints. Drew Brees is an A. Uh, you always love Brees at home. Not going to yes. get into that one too much. Michael Thomas, also going to give him an A, even though Darius Slay should be uh, That's be the tricky part of this, right? The tricky part, but Slay allowed Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches to score last week. Uh, number one receivers before that game, Stefan Diggs had five catches for 98 yards. Julio Jones had seven for 91 against Detroit. 
So that's a fair barometer for Thomas here with a with a certainly a high ceiling. Willie Sneed and Ted Ginn. Let's talk about these guys real oh, quick. Do we have to? Yeah, I think so. Willie Sneed is going to make uh, his season debut. Um, we don't know what kind of usage he's going to get, though. And uh, Ted Ginn hasn't caught more than three passes since week one. I'm going to give both a C just because they're at home in, in a fairly favorable matchup. Detroit has allowed 165 yards to wide receiver units and four total touchdowns over the last three weeks. So I'll give both a C, but I'm not liking it. Uh, I like Kobe Fleener a whole lot more than both of those guys. He was my take a chance on the receiver. And then finally, the running backs for the Saints, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. I'm going to give them both a B. Ingram, probably the better play in standard leagues, Kamara and PPR, but both should see good usage on the ground in the air. Uh, Ingram will likely flirt with 20 carries, while Kamara will get around 10. Kamara should be more involved in the passing game, where uh, this matchup favors uh, pass catching backs more. The Lions have allowed the uh, fourth most catches and fifth most receiving yards to running backs this year, so he's a slightly better play this week, I think. I'm fascinated to see how they use Alvin Kamara now that, coming off that massive London game, then you go into the bye, then you trade Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. So what happens now with Kamara? Are they going to throw to him another 11 times in one game? I can't wait to see how they use him here, and that'll be absolutely fascinating. There's there's a scenario out there where Kamara is so good that he simply leaves Ingram in his dust, although Sean Payton has forever used multiple backs. But mm-hmm. maybe Ingram's just so good that he becomes closer to like an RB1 for it's fantasy possible. use. It is yeah. possible. All right, Scott, final matchup of the week is the Monday Nighter. Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. You already talked about some of the uh, some of the guys that you liked and take a chance with me, like Jacoby Brissett. Yep, yep, I liked Jacoby Brissett. I did give him a B grade in this one. Uh T.Y. Hilton, his uh, his tunnel vision wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> he, T.Y. Hilton has accounted for 49% of Brissett's passing yards over the last three weeks, including two games of over 150 yards. And this week, he gets a Titans defense that is worse than those two. The Titans have allowed a league-worst nine touchdowns to wide receivers this season. Mm. And and Hilton's a big play guy. He he leads the or he's tied for the league lead in receptions over twenty yards with eight, tied with our boy Stefan Diggs. Yeah, um, Hilton against the Titans last year, real quick, five for ninety-seven and a touchdown, seven for one thirty-three and a touchdown. So yeah, yeah, good, good track record. Yeah, a play for sure. A play. Yep. I'm giving Frank Gore a C play. Uh, he's had at least 15 touches in three consecutive games, and every running back that's had 15 touches th- against the Titans has had either 75 yards or a touchdown. So it seems pretty obvious there. I do have a little concern that, you know, Mac might carve out a little more uh, of a I role. D- I think he will. Yeah, and and if Frank Gore, did those touches dip a little, maybe he should be. Uh, should be a C- I have him a C grade. He might be a B grade if it wasn't for Marlon Mack. Yeah, I'm benching everyone else though. I, I like Marlon Mack, but I can't trust him yet. Moncrief and Aiken—they've—they they haven't even topped three catches in a game. Over the Titans, uh, I did all of these assuming Mariota goes Monday night, so so keep that in mind. Delaney Walker—I gave an A grade. He's averaging nearly seven targets and 55 yards per game with Mariota in, and the Colts are allowing 70 yards and a score to tight ends over the last three weeks. Uh, Mariota, a B grade. The Colts have allowed the second most passing yards this season, over 300 per game, and have allowed eight touchdowns over the last three weeks. Uh, it's a good matchup for Mariota. Richard Matthews has led the Titans in targets every week since week two and averaged eight per game with Mariota. He plays a Colts defense that has surrendered at least 50 yards to 10 different wide receivers. He's Mariota's top target. I, I like him as a B grade as well. Uh, Murray, I have as a C grade, DeMarco Murray. 
Uh, the Colts are somehow kind of stingy on defense. No running back has top 55 yards rushing on them. Uh, Duke Johnson and Todd Gurley had nice days, but that was a lot through the air. And Murley, Murray is only averaging two catches per game. So outside of that really nice day against Philadelphia where he had the huge run, Murray's been mediocre at best. He's he's really mm-hmm. only a C play because I think he might get 15 or so touches. Yeah. Um, if Castle starts, I, I'm benching the entire passing game, though. So. I would, too. Yep. I don't trust Castle to get anything done through the air. Nothing. Uh, I want to go back to Marlon Mack for just a second. The He brought some sizzle to the table that we have not seen from a running back from the Colts in years. And Chuck Pagano said they're going to expand his role. Mm-hmm. Tennessee giving up 50 yards through the air on a per-game basis to running backs. I think most of that could go to Marlon Mack. I, I, I think he's in a bye week. I think he's startable. It's possible. It's we'll possible. find out. We will find out. It's going to be fun to watch that one. It's lightning round. You know what that means. Plenty of your phone calls between now and the top of the hour, and you know the rules. One question between two players. Many of you have been holding for upwards of, really, two hours. Thank you for your patience. Scott, you are first. Well, I was going to ask for a take a chance on me tight end, but I guess I don't have to do that. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> uh, so, um, I just have a trade question. Um, I have... Uh, Ryan, Winston, and um, Stafford on my team, and I have a trade uh, offer for Winston and Ellington for Kamara. Yeah, I'm. I'm PPR league. Yeah, I'm. Pro- he's got the depth of quarterback. To do. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind getting rid, rid of Winston at all for for that. You have two good quarterbacks other than that. So yeah, I would take Kamara over Ellington going forward. This Thank season. you, Scott. Aaron, you're next. Hey, I got a. Is it this week, Aaron Jones or Chris Thompson? Okay. Are you in a PPR league or a standard scoring yeah, league? That's, that's, standard. That's, standard. standard. that's the answer then. Yeah, Aaron Jones. Yeah. Brandon, you're next. Hi. Uh, good show. Thank you. Um, so do I standard league start Ty Montgomery or Alex Collins? Uh, Alex Collins, especially in standard scoring, who I think is going to get the, the majority of the carries in a very favorable matchup. Michael, you're next. I'm dropping Cutler. I need McCowan or Hogan. Oh, easily McCowan for me. Easily. I that that matchup is great this week against the Patriots. Steve, you're next. Steve. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jordy Nelson or Mike Evans and Elijah McGuire or Andre Ellington. See, the bit is it's one question between two players. Matt, you are next. Yeah, um, love the show. Looking at a half-point PPR with Aaron Jones or Duke Johnson. Can't quite. Aaron Jones or Duke Johnson. Aaron Jones or Duke Johnson. Half-point PPR, I think he said. It's, it's a tough matchup for Jones. I it mean, is Mont- a tough matchup. Vikings or Grundy yeah, It's a tough matchup for Duke, too. It is. If Montgomery plays, I would lean Duke Johnson. But if Montgomery somehow sits, I'd go Aaron Jones. All right. Uh, I think Matt is next. Matt? Oh, that was Matt. Hold on. Now Mark. Hello, Mark. Uh, PPR, Elijah McGuire, or Pierre Garçon? Uh, Pierre Garçon, particularly mm-hmm. in PPR, where he's been really good, even without the touchdowns. Jim, you're next. Yeah, hi. Um, standard scoring, Smith, Schuster, or Mike Evans? Wow, it's come to wow. this. And Juju Smith-Schuster is my guy from Take a Chance on Me, but I can't I can't start him over Mike Evans. No. You will even kick Patrick yourself Peterson. if Mike Evans does go off. You, I can't do it. Rick, you're next. Hey, guys. Full point PPR, uh, flex spot, Ellington or Golden Tate? All right. Uh, probably Golden Tate. I love Golden yeah, Tate. Yeah. He's uh, inside my top ten this week at, at the receiver position. Trent, you're next. Hey, love the show. Thank you. Uh, 
Jordan Reed or AJ Derby? Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jordan Reed's brought nothing to the table. He's got three ailments right now, even coming out of the bye week. Go with your go with your AJ this is, Derby this is the take. Week, I, I'm so this is the week Reed goes off. The it matchup. probably is. The, you the know matchup that. is so so good for Derby. Let's do it. Do Let's it. Go to Derby. Derby. All right. Big mm. juleps for everyone. I like it. Uh, Jason, you're next. All right. Standard scoring: uh, Alex Collins or Kamara. Because it's standard scoring, I'm taking Collins, who I think's got a great chance of a touchdown here. Collins has eight runs over t- 10 yards and three runs over 20 yards. Really explosive. Yeah, and I'm super high in Kamara. Don't get me wrong. But I think his, his best value comes as a full featured back, including the passing game. Gene, you're next. Uh, yes. Standard uh, scoring, Kamari Cooper or uh, Fuller. Sorry, Cooper or who? Uh, Fuller. Fuller. Cooper or Fuller? Wow, Fuller's a tough, tough matchup. I, I, I think Cooper's I, his own walking tough matchup. Co- his Cooper, own hands are a tough matchup. Cooper was has been terrible. He's got car, but I can't. I just can't quit him yet. I'm All gonna right. go with Cooper just barely. Chris, you're on the fan. All right, uh, point per reception uh, league and uh, Chris Hogan or Devontae Adams. Right. Oh, wow, that's that's a tough one. I feel so sorry Especially for, for you. Brian. Um, I'm going Hogan. I would too. Yep. Yeah. Just in Devonta case if Adams, Adams get Rhodes, yeah, right? If Adams gets Rhodes, it's we know, we know the it's bit. over, yep. right? Uh, Jim, you're next. Jim. Hello, PPR. Yep, I'm here. PPR. Uh, Gore or Ellington. Ellington for Ellington. sure by a mile. Uh, Zach, you're up. Yeah, non PPR. Uh, Ty Hilton or Brandon Cooks. Uh, I'm going Hilton. I, I I think he's going to put up a huge day, both in yards and touchdowns. Luke, you're on the fan. Hey, uh, PPR, Gin Jr. or Marquise Lee? Thanks. Oh, man. Go to the waiver wire, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Gin, <laughs> I, I gave Gin Marquise a... Lee's got, also got the game plan working against him, which should be all running, right? Yeah. At least Gin has yeah. got the upside of yeah. a game plan that's going to go mostly through Breeze's arm. Yeah, Gin's got upside. Let's put it that way. I'm not sure. Um, but gets no, there. seriously, but, Juju Smith Schuster is a way better start yes, than either but, one of those. And I assure you, he's available or, right now. Or the league. litany of tight ends that we mentioned on yes. the show. I'd play any of them over either of those guys. All right. Could. Uh, Jim, you're our final caller today. Hi, guys. Uh, standard scoring. Uh, flex position Jarvis Landry or Cameron Brate? Uh, I'm going with Landry. I, I do like Brate, but he has scored three. Weeks in a row, the odds of a fourth might not be happening. He's due for a bad game? Yeah, Devontae Parker out. I'm going Landry. Okay, sounds good. Enjoy your one yard per reception on Landry. Scott did good. Can we keep him? Uh, Scott did a great job. Uh, Maybe I'll even let you come back next week. Nice. Uh, Nicely done. Uh, He's a keeper. Uh, For your keeper league. So we encourage you to check out the podcast, KFN Fan On Demand, also available on iTunes in just moments from now. Already building it. Already building the, the podcast for iTunes purposes. Saturdays with Sauce. I'm told it's an epic, best ever Saturday with Sauce. Coming up next, you'll want to stay tuned for that. Talk to you in a week, everybody. Bye-bye. The salesperson and the manager laughing at me behind closed doors is something that I do not need to deal with anymore.